1: Today, Nick is joined by NDT scouting founder and lead analyst Kyle Krabs to discuss Kirk Cousins' impact on the top of the draft as well as some of Kyle's latest draft takes. After that, Nick, Eric, and Carl break down the remaining senior bowl roster including the tight ends, offensive line, and the entire defense before Carl heads down to Mobile to cover the event for Mile High Huddle.
2: Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to Huddle Up Draft Style. I am your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my co-host, Nick Kendall. We are joined once again by Mile High Huddle Senior Analyst, Eric Trickle, to break down the remaining roster for the Senior Bowl taking place just next week in Mobile, Alabama. Can't wait to get down there to that warm weather. Eric, how are your things going your way?
3: Things are going good. I'm adjusting to being an old man. Just turned 26 yesterday, so it's not fun. So, sitting there, I'm trying to uh, get down the, get off my lawn, yell, so... (laughs) (sighs) You've just always been an old man at heart, haven't you? Yes, I have. (laughs) I've always been a crotchety old man, always.
2: That's good. You'll have years of practice when you get really old. (laughs) And Nick, how are things in Iowa? Uh, Cold,
1: pretty cold. This past few weeks have been not great. I mean, it's winter in the Midwest. What can you expect? But doing well, excited about reading about the Shrine Bowl. You know, things are really kicking off and enjoying all these football games. I mean, how about bending into that Vikings game? As an NFL fan, it doesn't get much better than that.
3: Oh, that ending was great. And I'm so thankful that there was actually a play that was like Raheem Moore's that was actually worse than Raheem Moore's. I feel so bad for that poor safety. But I guy. feel like I like that bad play. for him because I liked him coming out and he was having a great year. But that is a play that'll live for him with him forever. And I hope that it doesn't ruin his career like it did for Raheem Moore. It might be a benefit to him that he is a rookie
1: and that he's actually not like that well known yet you know, he'll be remembered for it, but he's not as like celebrated as a position as like Mark Sanchez and the butt fumble, you know, people knew Mark Sanchez because (laughs) everything with Rex Ryan and he'd just been big people, 99% of the NFL fans didn't know who Marcus Williams was. So hopefully he can survive that.
2: I don't know. There's no way, there's no way to get past all of that. I, I know he's probably already got death threats and people come into his house. I don't, I just remember with Raheem Moore, all those things happening to him and, That just lives with you. That sticks with you. I I hate when fans get to that point where they think it's okay to make death threats just because a player missed a play in a football game.
3: Yeah. And with Raheem Moore, too, I found myself defending him a lot. Like, it it was a dumb play. Like, he made a mistake. But everybody acted like he was the only one. People don't realize that Tony Carter made a mistake on that play, too. But with Williams, like, it's all on him, which makes it harder. Like, at least Raheem Moore is like, oh, okay, I wasn't the only guy to mess up here if you really look at it. Marcus Williams doesn't have that excuse. It was all him.
1: I still blame Bill Vinovich for that loss over Raheem Moore, to be completely honest. And that's like oh, the only the game I've ever played was in ref. awful. There was like, what was that pick six that was the most obvious, blatant pass interference? Mm-hmm. And just multiple plays were just groping the guys over the middle. I mean, they let them play the whole game. It was the whole same thing, but no ref. Let any cornerbacks play that physical, and within you know five ten yards that entire year, and they did it constantly, and it led to a pick six. And I I don't know I'll never forgive Mr. Pigface as I call him, Bill Vinovich. So I don't think he listens to the podcast, so I can call him that and be a coward without worrying about him and his (laughs) crew beat me up. Does he have a Twitter, Pigface? Probably. (laughs) At Pigface, I ruined games. Fifty (laughs) nine. Peyton Manning. I I also like. He's also a guy that like Peyton Manning had you know an great career. I think Peyton Manning had a losing record when Bill Vinovich refed, was the head referee in his games.
3: I'm pretty were, sure. I think Denver's like the ran. only team that has a losing record with him as a head coach, or as a yeah. referee, I mean.
1: Yeah, so screw you, Bill Vinovich. You've already wasted enough time on this podcast, but I still hate you, down to my core. <laughs> Is, Is anymore? it You're, it's, it's like the Cub fans that blame uh, Steve Bartman when he reached across, but then like the very next play or later that inning, that shortstop had a double play ball that he booted. It's on the shortstop. He had a freaking double play ball. I don't know how you're blaming the kid or the young guy that was made, trying to make a play on the ball when you'd have done the same thing. So but I didn't made guess. a
3: baseball reference that I didn't get. You don't know about Steve Bartman. Oh I don't know goodness. baseball.
2: <laughs> okay. Little he's he's the guy when the Cubs were in the playoffs and finally looking like they might break their curse, championship. Yeah. Their curse. He reached over the fence to grab a foul ball. Not too far. It, it wasn't like he was like full out body extending, Somebody he reached
3: hold over of his
2: legs. He reached over a little bit and caught it. Yeah, he was a fan. He caught it when the Cubs player was trying to go make a play on the ball, and then they go on to lose the series. And they, like,
1: he received death threats for, you know, it's been over 15 years now. He still gets, like, death threats. He had to hide and sell his tickets. And it was, I mean,
2: it was rough. Uh, he, he was, like, an <laughs> ultimate fan, too. Like, never yeah. hardly missed the game, all those kind of things. And then all of a sudden, uh, he couldn't hardly even live in chicago hey, back up. to
3: football real quick and bill Vinovich. isn't he wasn't he the one who after the playoff game against ravens came out to find out that he has like a cousin or something like that who works for the raiders i know
0: something there was like i like know that. there
3: was one that it ended up being a big old conspiracy i can't remember when exactly but denver lost in the playoffs and somebody found out that the guy has a relative working for the raiders so they oh he planned it to screw Denver over because of that. And I can't remember who it was, but oh boy, uh, the way the, thing, the way people twist things can be so funny sometimes.
2: That is for sure. Well, we better get back to football here. And of course we want to let our listeners know that the huddle up 2018 draft shows focuses all things that relate to your Denver Broncos as pertains to the upcoming NFL draft. With Nick and myself, and of course Eric being draftaholics, we will be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each week in every single episode from scouting reports, player value, scheme, and per- personnel fits, and general draft related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dimler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kendall MHH and Eric at Eric Trickle. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco and draft football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at Huddle Up Pod. And make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content on milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com, and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know your listeners are as football draft and bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go and take the time and go to iTunes or Spreaker to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. And we are now joined by NDT
1: scouting founder and lead scouting director at FanRag Sports, Kyle Krabs. Kyle, thank you very much for joining us on the show today to discuss some of your latest work over at NDT. I know this is probably the busiest time of year for you, grinding away on tape hours a day. So we really appreciate you taking the time to join us to talk some NFL draft, especially as it pertains to the Denver Broncos.
4: Nick, it's my pleasure. It's good catching up with you again.
1: Yeah, awesome. Next time you're in Iowa City, I'll get you another beer. I
4: don't know. You guys can let me back in after my uh, assessment of C.J. Beathard last year. I was told my invitation was rescinded.
1: If I have any clout around this area, I'll let you in. But it kind of depends on how you end up with Jewel. Okay. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We'll talk about that though a little bit here. But first and foremost, got to talk about your latest piece that I saw up on NDT your Kirk Cousins piece being a domino effect on the rest of the league. And I couldn't agree more. Kirk Cousins definitely is a guy that the Broncos have interest in. I've heard that they have the language for a contract already squared up and have the proper cat moves set up as well. That Broncos are going to make a move at Kirk Cousins. What do you think about that? As far as it pertains to the Denver Broncos in the draft upcoming,
4: I think if you take into consideration, what Denver has targeted in the past uh, through the draft, I think I think it's a great idea for them to look into an established commodity, somebody who who has proven that they can perform at a high level in the NFL, and and that's exactly what Kirk Cousins is. Uh, his production in Washington has been very good. He's got over four thousand yards and over twenty five uh, touchdown passes in each of the last three seasons. So, the opportunity for Denver high selection. Uh, to land a starting quarterback on the open market would really give them a lot more flexibility and really whoever cousins goes to, if it's one of those teams in the top 10 or top top 12, you're going to see this ripple effect working all the way down the first round where, you know, if, if Washington is able to re land his services, then you'll see probably a little bit more urgency at the top of the draft for quarterbacks or, uh, it can change the order that guys fall based on team needs. So it's a really interesting dynamic that hasn't really been talked a whole lot about, but he's going to be the first shoe to fall. And uh, whoever teams are really going to have a chance to set their tone for their offseason season. Very, very strongly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As far as, as it pertains to the Denver draft class, whether or not Kirk Cousins is brought here is pretty much the main determining factor on where they go round one. If they don't land Kirk Cousins in free agency, that pick almost surely has to be a quarterback, especially with the top of the talent in this draft class, at least how it looks right now. But if they get Kirk Cousins, it can kind of change things for the Broncos. And if they do happen to land Kirk Cousins' services, smart to do at the top of the top of the first round of that fifth pick.
4: Oh man. Denver's a weird team because I like a lot of what Denver still had in place. Like that defense is still terrific. I think if you look at Denver offensively, they're kind of facing a potential changing of the guard at uh, some of the positions, notably the skill positions, but there's not a lot of guys that you would feel really comfortable in the top five. If you're looking for, say, a wide receiver, depending on who they choose to retain, or uh, so you know, maybe an offensive tackle, maybe you get into maybe Saquon Barkley if you're you're feeling like you really need to some extra life in the offense after a year last year, which I know I know they have C.J. Anderson and Devontae Booker, but uh, Barkley would kind of be a different animal. So uh, I, could see, I could see them looking to upgrade offensively unless they want to be proactive and get aggressive with a down-the-road in, in two or three years replacing a contract that's expiring on the defensive side of the football. But they certainly need to help on offense more than they do defense.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. I personally think Saquon Barkley, if he does reach there, would be in consideration. C.J. Anderson's contract is really easy to get out of, no dead money. And also along the offensive line. I mean, they've they've made an investment in it last year, but they probably will continue to do so. So an offensive tackle, maybe an Orlando Brown if he moves up or a Connor Williams if he does end up in that upper echelon or potentially even Quentin Nelson at guard, you know, setting yourself up there for years to come with a very solid player. So there's definitely a lot of ways they can go. But let's say they don't land cousins. Where do you think the Broncos should be looking to go? And how are you feeling about the top of this class as far as it pertains to quarterbacks? And should they trade up?
4: As far as trading up, it would have to be if the price was right with, say, say Cleveland lands Kirk Cousins and Cleveland wants to get greedy now and, and double dip on their draft capital for this year and next year. And, you know, they're willing to move out of one of their spots. They've got two in front of Denver, uh, one and four. A deal, maybe Indianapolis, which is rumored to be bringing in Josh McDaniels, not enamored with the defensive side of the, the football with the talent that's there, and they don't want to draft a running back that early, so – Maybe Denver can make a move and get their pick of the litter after, uh, say, the Giants get to choose between their quarterbacks. But if Broncos end up on the clock with the quarterback grouping, assuming that they're still at five, you're probably talking about one, if not two of these guys gone, depending on where Kirk Cousins goes. So to Josh Allen or nobody, Denver, buckle up because – Josh Allen is the guy that kind of suckered John Elway last time with his traits. He's all traits, just like Paxton Lynch. I really honestly feel like Allen is the kind of quarterback that needs time and a lot of time because I'm not confident with his ability to see the field and react after the snap and make sound decisions with the football. And uh, he's got that confidence in his arm, but it's to a fault. So, he, he will see any throw out on the field and think he can make it. And you know, six times out of 10, he might be right. But the other four times, it's, it's a very risky throw. It's a turnover-worthy throw. And th- that's kind of what Denver got wrapped up into last time, and it did not work out. And that's not to say Josh Allen's guaranteed did not work out. But he's going to have to go to a very good situation. He's going to have to get a lot of really sound development and coaching. And it's, it's that, that, to me, is just not worth a top-five selection, even if he does have the arm ability to make any throw on the field.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you 100% there. Josh Allen is a buyer beware. And it sounds like from what I've heard and what's been reported in the Denver media is that the Broncos front office is kind of leaning against Allen as well and kind of making a complete 180 instead of going with the raw upside guy, going with the less toolsy but more day one ready, more successful in college, Baker Mayfield. They've even gone as far as to request that he be put on the North roster at the senior bowl so they can get a hands-on look at him. What do you think about the Broncos going with a potential, you know, outside of that prototype that John Elway kind of has established so far in a shorter, but very effective and very exciting Baker Mayfield?
4: Well, I think it would be a great indication of some, some self-awareness and self-scouting by the Broncos uh, to be able to take a step back and look at the players you've invested at the position before. And having seen that they've not come to fruition for you, um, and being more willing and more open-minded to receive another kind of player. I think Baker Mayfield's an excellent quarterback. He's going to be my top-rated quarterback. His film, his on-the-field product, as you said, he's not as toolsy as some of the other quarterbacks. For me, Josh Rosen is the cream of the crop in that category. But when you look at the entire resume, um, Mayfield does edge him out for me personally. Uh, It's kind of a vanilla versus chocolate debate, though I like both of them very, very, very much. Sam Darnold, more of a rough around the edges, but has some tools and also has some warts that you're, you're just going to have to accept. You know, the, the throwing motion, I don't think you're ever going to successfully overhaul or change that. Throwing delivery is always going to be the way that it is, so you have to be comfortable with that. But Mayfield really liked the way that he's grown and and become able to in the structure of the offense just as well as he did outside of the structure of the offense. When he, he was back in 2015, Baker was very much kind of just a freelancer and As Oklahoma has lost skill players, you've seen Mayfield have to evolve his game into being more systemic and being able to read the field and and throw against zone coverage into spots and not just extend plays with his legs and then throw it. And that growth for him has been tremendous and polished. Uh, I really like how he's consistently balanced, and and he's always in a position to throw the football from the pocket. So uh, Mayfield's a player I like very much. He's going to be my top quarterback between him and Josh Rosen. I don't think you could go wrong in this class.
1: Absolutely. And that makes a great transition to your 10 takes article that you just recently had out. And in the article, you stated that Josh Rosen will probably end up with the highest film grade that you have on any of the quarterbacks this year. Not the overall grade, but the film grade. And what about Josh Rosen to you that you saw on tape made him projected to have that highest score?
4: Yeah, I, I think for Josh, it's a combination of the mechanic side of being a quarterback, his arm ability, his natural arm ability, whether it's throwing with pace or throwing with accuracy. And then the mental side of the game where he's able to process the kind of coverages that he's going to consistently see in the NFL. And what I mean by that is not you know, cover one versus cover two versus press man and, and that sort of thing. It's more seeing that a guy is covered, but there's still an opportunity to throw a completed pass. And Josh Rosen throws his receivers open with the placement of the football against man coverage better than anybody in the class. And that, for me, is that mentality is the same you have to have if you're going to consistently beat man-to-man coverage. So, for example, I was out in Memphis to watch UCLA play Memphis this year, and UCLA took over a possession inside their own two-yard line, down by three in the second half of this football game, and Rosen uh, takes a drop back and throws a corner route to his tight end who has a defender on his hip to the field side of the formation and Rosen places the ball deliberately at the end of his wingspan to the boundary, throwing away from the defender, even though there's tight man coverage and that ball is caught for a big chunk gain of 25 plus yards. Those kinds of throws to me really stand out. And that's what makes me really confident in Rosen with the way he sees the game mentally and how he's willing to throw to guys that even when they're covered, make chunk gains and completed passes. That that makes me feel really good about his skills. Yeah, on tape to me, he
1: looks to have be almost the complete package. However, I did notice that he had some issues as far as it came to play under duress, especially when he had pressure. I saw improvements there from his sophomore year, granted the limited tape considering his injuries, to this season, but do you have any concerns about his ability under duress and under pressure?
4: I wouldn't say it's necessarily concerns with under duress and under pressure. It's more he needs to know when to not be the hero. And that's something that he's openly admitted uh, in post-game interviews after making decisions that have been costly in football games and that it's okay to live for another down where Josh is one of those guys just like Josh Allen thinks he can make any throw in the book, no questions asked. And to some degree, that is a great trait, but it's also a double-edged sword where you have to harness that and understand the context of the game at any given point in time. And if it's second and 10 inside of a two-minute drill and you're under pressure, don't force the ball into coverage. Throw it away. You have two more downs. So those sorts of things to me are what stands out with Rosen, where if he can really get a harness on that, I think he can make the most of his sharp eye for finding completions against tight coverage without being reckless with the football at times, which is certainly something that I think is a fair criticism of his, but it's, it's more he doesn't know what he's reading. It's just simply he, he's trying to do too much with the football.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Something that I saw with Darnold's tape as well, just a little bit too much hero ball, but that's something, like, like you said, can be good or bad. But moving on to this 10-takes piece that you had, you had a number of points, man. Reading this article, I won't lie, I stood up and applauded. I had so many things that I had feel like I've been saying for – almost the entire draft season to date. But the one that I was most excited about was your profess of your love for Tremaine Edmonds as potentially linebacker one. I love his skill set. I mean, you, don't, you can't get that big and that fast and that young. I mean, his, his upside is tremendous. I just saw today that J- Daniel Jeremiah said that he is an Anthony Bar comp, and I wouldn't be surprised if he tests out of the gym at the combine this year and potentially rises up. But what do you see in Tremaine Edmonds that puts him over a guy like Roquan Smith or Rashawn Evans as potentially linebacker one?
4: Well, there, there's no potentially. It's it's guaranteed for me. There's just with the way I do my, my scoring and assessments, it, everything's run off of numerical scoring. So based on your traits, you're given a certain score and percentage on, on how good you are in certain traits. And I factor in athletic testing and experience and all of these things. And there's 0% chance that Roquan Smith passes Tremaine Edmonds. He will be my top off-ball linebacker. Um, but Edmonds, as you said, it, it's a, really a blend of burst, flexibility. He's got length. I think athletically, Anthony Barr's a fair comp. I think Edmonds is much more polished than what Barr was. Barr was kind of utilized in, in pass-rush hybrid role, where Edmonds is somebody that I personally real, feel really good about playing at either Sam or Mike if you're playing a four-man front. Uh, you can play him on the line of scrimmage. Over top of tight ends and asked him to play in that regard. You can ask his his run fits are really good. Uh, there there are sometimes in zone coverage where he he gets his eyes stuck sometimes, and uh, that's when you see him have his lapses. But if you're gonna have him play man to man, I mean, I saw him. For West Virginia, Virginia Tech, opening week of the year, and I saw him flip his hips up the field and uh, carry a wheel route against Justin Crawford, who's one of the fastest backs in the Big 12. And he carried that route all the way up the field, like stride for stride with him. Like really special athleticism, I think, in traffic. He's got good length. He knows how to use his hands to extend and then work his hips. Because he has those loose hips, he can keep his shoulders square to the line of scrimmage and address that blocker and open his hips to the boundary and work over top of those blocks and work through contact. And then as far as his run reads go, he's really quick to react, really quick to flow, beats a lot of offensive linemen to the spot, and and blows up a lot of plays that way. So uh, he checks a lot, a lot of boxes, and he's a really great player. And as you said, uh, he's young. He's only 19. He turns 20 the week after the draft this year.
1: Yeah, an incredible talent. I actually mocked him to Denver in my preseason mock draft where before, you know, any college shape or anything happened round two. And I might as well kill that dream because he's probably going to go top 20.
4: I mean, if he tests the way that they're talking that he might, then, then yeah, I mean, that's, that's uh poor one out for that dream, Nick. I'm, I'm sorry to say, but that's, uh, that's going to be a tough sell.
1: I have a secondary dream. Let's just not let him on the Patriots.
4: I think that's fair. Yeah, New England yeah. had quite enough toys to work with. Uh, it's, it's fair to give some football players to somebody else too.
1: Absolutely. And another point in your top 10 takes uh, article that was just released pretty recently over on NDT and FanRag sports, the interior defensive line group, you touched on some of the guys that I have been very high on this entire class. Once you guys started talking about Tab and Brian, I felt very vindicated because I've watched that Tamu game live. And I literally was having to replay almost every single snap because I was just blown away by that guy wearing number 93 and that hideous skater skin uniform, whatever the heck those things were. I don't know. I was not, a, I was not for those, but Tab and made those uniforms look good and I think he is a great fit in a 3-4 and potentially could be a top-10 pick in this class after what he does at the combine and interviews and everything.
4: Brian, he's not quite as polished as the guy we just got done talking about, Edmonds, as far as uh, the technical side of his respective position, but his hands and length are just as good. Now, I got done talking about how Edmonds is able to separate from blocks, and uh, Brian, in that regard, is... Terrific! He's got really powerful hands. His hands are really violent and deliberate when it comes time to shedding blocks as well. Yeah, you mentioned that Texas A&M game. Uh, he threw guys to the ground, just just like ragdolled guys, throwing them to the side to to uncover and challenge the football. And uh, you'll hear some hear some people knock him based on his production, but of the Florida games that I watched, you saw a lot of undisciplined. Gap play. And I consulted with Roger Dixon, who's one of our national scouts here at NDT Scouting, and he was a a two year player at the University of Florida. And he talked about the defensive line coach and, and the philosophy that they had where they just said, hey, go go create having the backfield. And then you turn on the tape and you look and you see and there's really not a lot of really strong gap integrity on that defensive front. So Brian can uncover and throw his guy to the side and, and accelerate to the mesh point. But if he's got a gap, that's two gaps over that's five yards wide, hot for that back to just kind of shift immediately out of the mesh point and accelerate through a gap for a big gain. So I would encourage folks that watch Brian, don't be turned off by his lack of production. Go watch him play because there's two very different stories being told versus the numbers you read on paper and what you see him doing to opposing offensive linemen on the field.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And anybody who's been listening to this podcast knows I've been banging the table for Tavin Brian as a great fit for what the Broncos like to do in that three four front, that one gap interior penetrator. I mean, he's he looks like probably the best one in this class in that regard, but the Broncos needs kind of shifted since then. Now picking top five and needs on quarterback in the offensive line, so Again, another dream that I'll probably have to pour one out for, but that's okay but because the 2019 defensive line class. But back to 2018, we also have a couple other guys that have some potential in Vita Vea, Deron Payne, and Maurice Hurst. And out of these guys, who really stands out to you? Uh, Vita
4: Vea really surprised me when I watched the film just how physically dominating he was. And when I watched 2016, it was, okay, you know, he's kind of another Danny Shelton type um, He's not the longest with his arms, so you know two gap roll is kind of scary for him. And uh, he he's really good if he gets hip to hip early on in snaps. But if you ask him to play through contact and continue with his penetration roll, he has a hard time with that because he can't get off blocks very easily. But then you watch him this year, and he's like a totally different player. He he has really developed with his hands and counters, and he has he has this one arm hump that I've seen send uh, three offensive guards just to the moon where he he hits you and you, you fly five yards. It's really impressive, the upper body power that he has. And uh, Vey is a guy that when he came into being recruited from high school, he was in the, I believe, the t- 280s. And he, he's uh, bulked this frame up to over 330. Back weight is we'll find out soon enough in the weigh-ins period for the NFL combine, but – He's added a lot of weight to his frame, but he's he's maintained almost every bit of athleticism that he's had, which is really surprising. Usually see, you see guys that slow down a little bit, but uh, he's just as bursty off the snap, and he's now added a really effective usage of his hands to get off of blocks and avoid blocks altogether, and it's a really potent mix. Uh, you talked about how Denver likes to to get after it with one-gap penetrators. That's actually where I think he's best served.
0: where your story lives
2: as an agribusiness expert with alliant energy and a farmer i know how important it is to get the most out of your land i know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy that's why alliant energy offers free farm energy assessments with a farm energy assessment someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy we can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable Schedule your free assessment at alliantenergy.com slash Assessment.
4: Reference him as a nose tackle just because he's 330 plus, but takes him away from where he's at his best. I want him in a single gap. I want him shooting into the backfield. I want him causing penetration. Uh, if you ask him to squat on the line of scrimmage and eat blocks, uh, he, this is not a player where you can have your cake and eat it too. He's, he's going to lose some of his effectiveness if you take him away from what he does best. Because as we said, this is not the guy that has the most amount of length. Uh, so so if you ask him to lock horn with offensive linemen, uh, he's going to get stuck sometimes. That's a, that is a player, even with his size, I still want him in that same kind of role where he's shooting a single gap and causing ha- uh, havoc at the mesh point because that's that's where he's won. That's where he's at his best. Uh, play players to their strengths.
1: Yep, I absolutely agree with you. And I know we're probably getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but... How excited are you about the top of the 2018 class as it comes to defensive line prospects?
4: It's stupid that all these cams, Clemson kids came back. It's, it's really already going to be a loaded class. You, know, you got pretty much the entire Clemson defensive line is back. Lawrence, Farrell, Bryant, and Wilkins. You got Ed Oliver, Rashawn Gary, yeah, it's, it's, it Nick Bosa. It's, it's, it is a stacked, stacked group. So it's uh, something to look forward to. Certainly will be a prominent storyline as soon as we hit the summer after this year's draft.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of those guys that definitely made an impact and made me stand up at attention in the college football playoffs was Raquan Davis is another guy that I think could work his way in there to a top 15 kind of pick. But moving on here, I, I really did also like your point in this top 10 uh, point article you had out. Auden Tate, a guy with great size and Really hasn't been the most productive during his tenure at Florida State, but as far as a wide receiver class that outside of Calvin Ridley doesn't really have a for sure kind of first-round kind of guy, I really like what I saw from Auden Tate, and I was glad to see that you thought he potentially could end up being wide receiver one in this class as well.
4: Yeah, Tate compares pretty favorably to uh, Cortland Sutton from SMU. Uh, obviously, has played at a bigger school, doesn't have quite the same amount of production. I would have loved to see what Tate would have done this year Uh, with DeAndre Francois, quarterback all season, instead of uh, James Blackman, which is uh, just one of those things. Uh, Tate was still productive in the red zone, uh, still made a lot of plays on 50-50 balls. What surprised me the most about Tate was Tate has much more finesse and nuance than you would expect from a player of his size, who you would just expect would come out and bully people left and right. And he certainly has the ability to uh, dictate a lot of coverage based on his size and knowing how to use his strength at the top of routes and uh, bump away defenders to create a little bit of separation. But if you get up on his face, he also has the ability to finesse you and work past you, which I thought was really impressive and uh, is a testament to the skill set overall that he has. This is not a one-dimensional Kelvin Benjamin-type player that you know is pretty much a power receiver and. If you're able to to stick with him physically, you know, you're going to get him out of his game and you're going to take him out of a lot of a lot of targets. Tate's got some versatility to him, which at that size uh, makes him a pretty scary prospect if he's able to reach his full ceiling, whatever that may be.
1: I came into the season very high on Christian Kirk, Aquanumist St. Brown, Calvin Ridley, and Auden Tate. And right now I'm probably about at the same area. Obviously, all four have had some issues with the guy throwing them the football this year, but all of them gobs of potential.
4: Yeah, I think um, St. Brown's an interesting one too. He's a player I haven't watched fully, but I, I've seen flashes of him through watching Notre Dame. And uh, as bad as James Blackman was for Florida State, Notre Dame passing offense was even worse. So uh, kind of like what we talked about with Taven Bryan, Brian, don't write these guys off just because of the production, especially at the receiver position, because there's so many other A that will impact the player's productivity so uh, if you look on the field and, and watch their on the field product uh, these guys have some pretty prominent traits that will flash at you pretty quickly
1: yep agreed I mean you can't coach that level of speed being a wide receiver who's 6'5 he does have some issues with sometimes a body catcher and he's going to need to probably add some weight but I really like a st brown and too bad he didn't have a great quarterback this year but what can you do I think he'll probably be a guy who's going to be a steady ride through this whole process but moving on to this final topic, I want to hit here on your 10 takes article. Jamarco Jones is a potential first rounder. Jamarco Jones is somebody that has had some ups and downs. You saw him struggle a little bit in the Fiesta Bowl against Numosu and also last season in the playoffs against Clellan Farrell. But as far as a size guy with length that plays with some nastiness, then probably could be a left tackle or right tackle at the next level. I really like Jamarco Jones. I was a little bit taken aback by the first round hype. I definitely see the tools there where he could be up there, but I'd had him more pegged to day two guy. But Jamarco Jones is somebody that I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we're, we're waiting to see if he's going to be at the senior bowl, but as somebody that rises throughout this whole process and could end up in the back end of the first round for sure.
4: Yeah. His profile is a little weird. He was on the East West shrine rosters as of, I think January 6th. And then I was getting ready with my, my number two with NDT scouting Joe Marina to record our podcast, the draft dudes and we're looking at the Shrine rosters, getting ready to summarize the, the the teams. And Jamarco Jones was removed from the Shrine game rosters. So kind of raised an eyebrow. We were kind of expecting to hear something around the Senior Bowl, kind of based off of anytime somebody backs out of a game like that, it's usually a case of they've been called up. And I haven't heard anything otherwise, so we're kind of just in a holding pattern as far as if we're going to get a chance to see him in an All-Star event or not. But Jones really – impressed me with winning with both body positioning and winning with uh, first contact. Uh, He's got length. He knows how to use it. Uh, The the guys that you mentioned he struggled a bit against, Uchen and Wosu from USC, and then last year against Cleveland Farrell. I mean, those are probably top 50 guys. Uh, Cleveland Farrell was going to be my top pass rusher if he came out this year. Mm decided to go back to Clemson and uh, I think that's a great opportunity for him and good for him enjoying his college experience he's a redshirt sophomore so uh, he will be back another year but that talent his talent was tremendous if you watch Cleveland Farrell throughout the college football playoff last year he was a monster against Alabama before he got injured and and missed uh, some of the game and then against Ohio State he was a wrecking ball and uh, this entire season he's he's been one of the best edge defenders in the country and and Wosu kind of came out of nowhere where not quite as twitchy, he's not quite as bendy, but he's got some burst and he's got a lot of power. So if you're measuring Jamarco Jones against those guys, it's understandable that to see them lo- him lose a couple reps. And I thought Jones against USC actually settled down quite well in that game the longer it went. Really ugly, really early in the game. And I thought he came back after that second loss – uh, which was down close to their own end zone and uh, get, played very well. Uh, he knows how to win body positioning. He uses his hands uh, to kind of move the bodies of defenders to turn them and get them where he wants them so that he can work his body around and, and seal off gaps in the run game. And uh, if you're looking for somebody that can win with either zone style blocking or, or gap power style blocking, Jones has a good amount of functional power. He's got Pretty crisp first hands as far as when he lands his punches, you feel them. And then his movement skills, his his short area mobility to work across the face of, of defenders lends itself quite well to inside and outside zones. So pretty versatile guy. And I think the fact that he's universal in that regard, he can project favorably into any kind of system is why I have him favored up that high and favorably scored because he will appeal to most any team when it's all said and done.
1: Yeah, he's a guy who I'm hoping... Everybody will get a chance to see down in Mobile. It's going to be a pretty good offensive tackle class this year, uh, at least in the first two, three rounds. I mean, you got Connor Williams, Orlando Brown Jr., Mike McGlinchey, Martinez Rankin, Tyrell Crosby, Jamarco Jones, like we talked about, Brian O'Neill, Colton Miller, Tuguma, Korafor, and you got some small school guys who are going to be pretty intriguing as well. Desmond Harrison, Alex Kappa, and Brandon Parker. Out of those names, are there any guys that you're really looking forward to to digging a little bit more or who's going to surprise down the stretch and help the NFL because this is a league that's starving for offensive line and specifically offensive tackle talent this day and age.
4: Yeah. Corfort from Western Michigan is another one that stands out to me as far as uh, I thought his 2016 tape was probably a little bit better than his 2017 tape. Uh, But he's had his, his opportunities to showcase himself against some pretty prominent schools. Even going back to last year against Wisconsin in the New Year's Day Bowl. And they had T.J. Watt and Vince Beagle and Garrett Dooley. They had some nice pass rushers in that game. And uh, he he showed pretty well in that game, much better than his teammate Taylor Moton did, who was a a day two pick to the Carolina Panthers. So uh, he's got really nice movement skills. He's a little bit raw with his hands still. But uh, when he's balanced on his pass sets, uh, he's a game over kind of guy because he's got a lot of length. He's got pretty nimble feet, and he's got a really thick lower half, so he transfers power through the ground really, really well. So um, a core four from Western Michigan is kind of the one that's going to buzz because he's got a lot of traits, and he's a small school kid, so not a lot of guys have seen him. So once he gets out on the national landscape, I'm expecting that's a guy that's going to shoot up a little bit. And they have not
1: officially announced the North or South rosters yet at the Senior Bowl, but with the Broncos coaching the North team, I would not be surprised at all if they had – Chukwuma, Korafor on their team and getting a hands-on look at, at him as well as Baker Mayfield. So definitely an interesting time in Mobile for the Broncos, Broncos fans. And thank you, Kyle, for taking time out of your day. I know you're. this is the busiest time of year to come in and join us on the Huddle Up podcast.
4: Uh, anytime, Nick. Uh, let me know when you want to have me back on. Happy to talk with you guys, give you my eye, and hopefully we can see Denver kind of turn this thing back around and it's fun seeing Denver be good because they, they got a great stadium and great fans there. So, hoping the best for you guys and that this uh, this early picking thing it's for the birds. So I hope you guys put it behind you pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed. But it's not the worst to have a little bit of interest in the Broncos draft. You know, I know that you and you and Joe specifically being Dolphins fans and uh, Bills fans a little bit more used to being on top of the draft. No offense. So hopefully we'll turn it around. But this is this is the year to do it. And fifth pick is definitely going to be an intriguing. You can find Kyle on Twitter at NDT Scouting, and make sure you go check out all his articles and everything over on FanRag Sports, uh, along with his podcast, The Draft Dudes, hosted with another guy that I enjoy a lot as insights, Joe Marino. So, what do you? What's the next bit that's going to be coming out here for NDT Scouting that we can look forward to?
4: I'm actually hoping before I go down to to Mobile, I'm flying to Charlotte on Saturday morning to hook up with Joe, and we're going to be driving down from there together. I'm hoping to get my top five positional rankings out at NDTScouting.com by Friday before I ship off and head down to Mobile, because once I'm down there, it's kind of all business until the game's over. So that's kind of my goal. We had one of our National Scouts, Jonah Tolls, just put up a top, top 60 big board. Uh, we're trying to get a mock draft up this week over at NDT Scouting as well. So a lot of good stuff to look forward to, a lot of buzzy topics that uh, a lot of people enjoy reading and getting insight on. Uh, we're trying to please the people. We're people pleasers.
1: Absolutely. Well, you pleased our listeners by gracing us today. So again, thank you for coming on and we'll look forward to get you on here again.
4: All right. Thanks, Nick.
2: Well, before we finish off our senior bowl roster and the upcoming week, that is going to be so huge for the Denver Broncos. We thought we'd take some time because this, there's kind of a, a forgotten game that happens this week. That's going on right now that the Broncos pay very, very close attention to. And that is the East West shrine game. And we have our own senior analyst, Eric Trickle, who has done a lot, a lot of research on these players and has some guys that he has really been trying to keep an eye on and has heard some very good things about. So, Eric, how about you tell us a little bit about some players you've heard some good things about here at the Shrine game?
3: Well, just so everybody knows that at, over at com, I am keeping up to date with uh, players at Denver interviews. I'm giving a little background information, stuff like that. So if you want to kind of catch up on these guys, you can go there. And then for, if you want some VIP stuff on the who they should be keeping an eye on, the Broncos, that is, there's two articles covering both the East and West teams. As you said, Denver really looks at this game. Last year, they had four members on their roster at some point that came from the Shrine game. They're all undrafted players, and two of them, Jamal Carter and Demonte Thomas, are still on the team. In 2016, they had three players, Stephen Shue, Hunter Sharp, and starting safety Justin Simmons was at the Shrine game. 2015, they had... Six players, A.J. Derby, Jordan Taylor, Deontre's Mount, Darius Kilgo, Dylan Day, and Travis Rossidi, who wasn't there for very long. It's a huge moment for some a lot of these guys because they don't have a really good shot of getting drafted. And this is a chance for them to really catch the eyes of scouts. This is where they can either make it to where getting drafted in those late rounds
0: where your story lives.
3: The board's getting drafted in those mid rounds, or this is where they go from being a guy who just goes undrafted and forgotten about to being a priority free agent. One of the big names that's really been shining is offensive lineman from Army, Brett Toth. He's going to be at the Senior Bowl next week too. And this guy has been super impressive. Some of the more talented players on the defensive line, he's been shutting down. And I think that is absolutely fantastic to see Being an army guy, I mean, he's going to be disciplined. You know that all these military guys, when they enter the NFL, discipline it runs through their veins. So I'm really curious to see how that is. Um, Quarterback, Raleigh Ferguson, he's there. He's been really inconsistent from what I've heard. Guy from a defensive lineman from UConn. Now this is a guy that Nick was doing a little mock draft thing. And I can't remember if it was the second or third round. And I was sitting there and I was just bugging him to take this guy. Now, not sure how to pronounce his name, Folo Aronzo Fadukasi, I think. He's a defensive tackle from UConn. This last year, it was kind of down because he was playing at nose tackle, but he's best as a three or five tech. And he's been looking really, really good. I've had a few scouts who've texted me about this kid that saying that he's going to go in that third or fourth round. He's got a lot of production, and he's sitting there, and he's showing it. Uh, another player that Denver has met with is Chris Worley from Ohio State. He's a linebacker. Coverage guy who can come up and help defend the run. There was one bit of bad news. I can't remember the player's name off the top of my head right now, but he was ended up leaving the field in an ambulance. So my thoughts are with him, of course, and hopefully he's able to make a recovery and this doesn't hurt him too much and he still gets a shot. Because I took a look at him and I thought that there was a lot of talent there to work with. Undrafted guy, but somebody that you really can work with. Uh, tackle from Wagner, Greg Sinette. He's, he'll be on an NFL roster. He will make a 53-man roster. This guy has a lot of talent. He's athletic. He's strong. He's physical. He's mean. He's nasty. His technique is really good. His footwork's really good. There's some issues with his lean. He leans a little bit. Just all around, there's a lot of talent on this, in this Shrine game. One of the more talented Shrine games that we've seen in recent years. They have uh, Justin Jackson, a running back from Northwestern. There's a running back from Fordham who's looking really impressive. Chase Edmonds from Fordham. Just a bunch of different guys. They've met. Denver's met with a big tight end, Jordan Thomas. He's like six foot six, two hundred and eighty pounds. Wasn't known for being a pass catcher at, I want to say Mississippi State is what school he was from, but he's showing off his hands now, and I guess that he's been really impressive with a tight grip when catching the ball and things don't bounce off his hands. Bobo from Colorado, he's another one who has looked really, really sharp, and he's getting to that point where he actually may end up drafted. A lot of guys showing well. A lot of these guys, they got to carry it over. I like this game because this is where the guys who fly under the radar, this is where they make their, get their name out there.
1: I do got to give a shout-out to Darius Fountain. Have you heard anything about him? I've, I've seen in clips and everything that he's been doing pretty well. He's one of the speedier guys there. Six foot one, two hundred and ten pound wide receiver from Northern Iowa, and he had a pretty good career
3: up there in Cedar Falls. I have not, but I'll ask around for you. Okay, yeah, I've, I've, he's from everything. Yeah, I've seen I can Yeah, I can't say anything because I haven't heard for, heard about him. Which actually brings me to another receiver, Hamilton from Penn State. Yes. he is looking fantastic by all accounts, which I like. I think he's re- really underrated. But as I was saying, I love the Shrine Game. I like it a little bit more than the Senior Bowl because the Senior Bowl you have a lot of talent there. Pretty consistently, you have talent. You have for a second, third round talent there. Shrine game, most of these guys are going to go undrafted. They're fighting for even a shot. And I just like that. It really brings out the best of these players because it puts a chip on their shoulder that, and they realize, this is my chance. This is my opportunity. Even though there's vomit on my sweater already, I just got to take it. Bonus points if you get the reference. So I'm looking forward to it. Again, a lot of talent. And just stay, just keep, um, stay up with Mile eye Huddle. We'll keep having updates on these guys as we find out about interviews and stuff like that. Plus, plenty of information to come after the Shrine Bowl. I'll be breaking the game down. I'll be going over players who I thought really did well. I'll be breaking out players who I didn't think do so well. Guys that Denver should really be looking at now because of how they performed, not just during the game, but during the week. All this stuff, there's going to be a lot of information coming from the Shrine game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to see who will get a call up. So we'll see. I know that Jamarco Jones was originally on the East-West Shrine game, but he pulled out. So there's some talk that he's going to be there at the Senior Bowl. But speaking of the Senior Bowl, we should probably move on here. Uh, first, got to get to the tight ends. Uh, Adam Brenneman from UMass is going to be there, 6'5", 255. Tyler Conklin, who is, whose older brother is the right tackle for the Tennessee Titans, really good draft pick for them, early draft pick for Michigan State, um, plays tight end at Central Michigan, 6'4", 240. Troy Fumagalli from Wisconsin, Uh, Mike Gusecki from Penn State, Dallas Goddard, who's a guy that I think there's a lot of talk that he could explode and end up being the first tight end uh, Mm taken 6'5", 255 from South Dakota State. So we'll see. There's a lot of people that have been hyping up. I'm interested to see how he'll match up here. Uh, Unfortunately, Chris Herndon's listed. uh, He's a guy that I like a lot from Miami, but he's dealing with an injury. Notre Dame, big guy, more of an in-line guy. And another intriguing guy who flashed week one this year, from what I recall. Ian Thomas from Indiana. So out of these guys, I know you guys have spent the last few days. I mean, Carl, especially prepping to head down to mobile in less than a week now. Um, Any of these names stand out to you guys as guys that you are really excited about or ones that you're not
2: as high on? Well, I guess I'll start. I went into this, not wanting to like Dallas Goddard just because everybody was talking about this guy and started watching some of his games. And I just, I I was, I was blown away by a lot of the things that he brings to the table. He looks like an offensive lineman out there with his size. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's bigger than some of their offensive linemen that they have starting. It is South Dakota State, but but still, he is just a man among boys when it comes to size. And he's got some great speed to his game. His change of direction was better than I thought it would be for that kind of size. His hands are they're great in moments, and then they're terrible in others. He has some concentration catches that... I just wish we're a little bit better. He just tries to get up. He tries to make too many plays. I think at times, but otherwise, I am. I'm very excited to see what this guy can do against better competition and see if he can really live up to that hype. Because you love with the young or with the guys that play against lower level competition. If they completely dominate, you're going okay. That's at least a good sign of of what you could be doing at the next level. Um, So yeah, I I was. I was very impressed with him. A guy that you mentioned there that's, I guess, probably not going to play, Chris Herndon. I wish he was going to get a chance because I didn't think Miami used him very well. They kind of had him run about the same two, three routes, kind of a, oh, we're going to run a screen pass to you because you're athletic and we'll let you get in the open field at your size. Or a quick comeback route about four or five yards down the field. Sometimes they'd want to run a little bit of a wheel route with him. They just didn't use him a whole lot or as much as I would like to see him because he is one of those guys that's a huge mismatch. And Miami just didn't really take advantages as, as they could have.
1: Yeah. I like him a lot as well. I was mocking him round four, round five in a lot of those mocks a while ago. And after he got injured, I mean, he, he would have risen. I think if he wasn't injured, but I don't know if I could see the Broncos being able to sell, taking another injured tight end in the draft, but I don't know. He's really talented. So maybe, you know, he's further along and we'll see, but any of these guys, Eric stand out to you. Yeah. There's two interesting big 10 guys. I got to say, I know it's been harped on before, but I'm not that big on either Big Ten guys. They both look like middle-round picks to me. I do think Gusecki has a more dominant trait in his ability to play balls in the air, but I don't think he runs the best and his is putrid. And Fumagalli, to me, I mean, he'll probably stick around the league for a while, but I don't see him being very much of a... He's not a great blocker, and he's not a great athlete. You know, He's not going to be a scene threat, so maybe like a tight end two or three type. But as we've had in Denver the last four or five years, that's all we pretty much have anymore.
3: Yeah, both of those guys, they're not number one tight end options for me. I'm not looking at them for that. If I'm taking them, it's with the expectation that Butt's going to step in as that number one guy. Um, Goddard, I, I absolutely love. I love his tape. I, I think he's going to be really good. There are some issues with his hands, as Carl said. But I, I I really hope that he is able to get that locked down and stuff because I think he can really, really elevate a team offense. Adam Brenneman, I like him a lot as well. Ian Thomas, I like. Basically, I actually, I see a lot of people talking about how this whole tight end class is kind of weak. I actually like it a lot. There's a lot of talent between that third and fifth round, and these are some of the guys that I'm looking at. I just I like them. I like this group. I'm going to be really have my eye on them and see how they do. And the guy we
1: didn't really talk about that much, Tyler Conklin, more of that offline tight end, but he's got some athleticism to him and he's got some ability to make plays down the field. So I'm excited to see how he'll do in the senior bowl. He's He's been a pretty big uh, cog when healthy for that Chippewa offense for Central Michigan. But now moving on to probably one of the more intriguing, at least in my opinion, one of my favorite positions to scout is the offensive tackle crop. And Carl, I'm really jealous. It looks like we have one of the better offensive tackle groups here that I've seen since following the senior bowl. A guy that's very intriguing, Alex Kappa from Humboldt State, the division... Division three, I think, Humboldt State. Very small school. 6'7", 305. Uh, You know, you never want to overstate how dominant guys are in their Division three tape or understate or whatever. But he killed it in that tape. I'm really excited to see him there. Uh, Tyrell Crosby is a guy who I've liked since, you know, last season. uh, Left tackle at Oregon, 6'5", 320. Desmond Harrison's a really unique name. Kicked off Texas. Finished off at West Georgia, 6'6", 313. Cole Madison's a guy from Washington State. I'll be honest, I haven't watched much of yet. Uh, Joseph Noteboom a guy who has good size and I think moves pretty well, a little bit stiff, but a guy that I think has is not talked about enough yet. He's probably a, a day three guy, but definitely one who has some potential at least at guard, not a tackle. That's what we'll get there. He's rising. Nope. Uh,
3: yes. I'd be surprised oh, if cool. he goes, I would be surprised if he lasts till day three.
1: Cool. 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 Cause I've been like, man, I watched this guy's tape. I, you know, it's kind of pain when draft breakdown isn't putting guys out. So you have to watch the full game and TCU versus Oklahoma state. It's not the most fun, but I really liked him when I watched him. I can't remember
3: what game it was, but there was one that scouts absolutely just loved, and that alone is rising him up boards. They want, they don't see him as a left tackle; they see him as a right tackle or a guard. Yep, exactly. He he is definitely rising up boards. I thought for sure. I watched a little bit of him, and I was like, okay, yeah, this guy's gonna be like a fifth, maybe sixth round pick. Then I got a text message: "Hey, watch No Boom versus watch this game." I watched it. I'm like, okay, I can see why this talk is going on. Okay, I had him pegged like, for the was.
1: fifth round as of now. But that's because it's kind of a deeper, there's a glut, I think, day two for offensive tackle.
3: Yeah, that's the so,
1: sweet spot. Exactly. Brian O'Neal is a guy that has a lot of intrigue. Some people think he could end up being one of the earlier tackles selected. We'll see about that. Uh, amazing athlete. If you like fat guy touchdowns where offensive linemen score touchdowns, Brian O'Neal has had like two or three in his career. Uh, Chukwuma Okorafor, Western Michigan, a big guy that can move pretty well. 6'6", six, 330s six, is listing. I'm interested to see how he will measure there. Brandon Parker, really interesting guy from North Carolina A&T. Timon Paris from Stony Brook. Uh, Martinez Rankin, who's another kind of guard tackle type that's been really solid at Mississippi State. Brett Toth, who we've already talked about. And uh, a guy that hasn't been confirmed yet, but there's a lot of chatter that Jamarco Jones might be there. So it looks like if, if all these guys do show up there, it's going to be a really good tackle class and – I'm not super intrigued by the edge class that's going to be there. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these guys stand out.
2: If they don't stand out, that's probably going to be a bigger deal than if they do stand out. Yeah.
1: But Carl, you're heading down there. Which of these guys are you really looking forward to see?
2: You got the big name guys, Martinez, Rinkin, Jamarco Jones, core four, of course, that, that I'm, I'm very interested to see. Just because, like you said, that sweet spot's that second, third round. And I can see that being where the Broncos decide to go get their right tackle, left tackle, where whatever you want to. I think bowls can play either side. I think that was one of the things that they were really intrigued by with him. Uh, I I really like Jamarco Jones. I think he's one of the most technically sound guys. He's one of those, when he gets his hands on you, it's the plays over. I I really loved watching his tape. I I was very impressed. He's not as strong as I'd like to see. So I'm, I'm interested to see if he can really show up, show a little more aggression at the senior bowl than what I saw, at least on the Ohio state tape. But kind of the, Beyond the, the obvious names, Desmond Harrison of West Georgia is a guy I'm very interested to watch. He showed a lot of aggression on tape, showed a lot of decent technique for a guy being a West Georgia. I, th- there's a lot of things that really intrigue me with his game. Of all the small school guys, he was my favorite. I know a lot of people are really high on the Alex Kappa. I just worried a little bit about his foot quickness. I wasn't quite as impressed with his, his feet as that of Desmond Harrison just in the, in the few games that I watched of each of them, but no, yeah.
4: Yeah, that's
2: the guy that really intrigues me that I think could really rise up. And, and also he's just got a lot of questions asked ask about the whole leaving Texas, going to West Georgia. And I, I just, I'm interested to see what he has to say about that.
1: Yeah. I liked Harrison too. He moved really well. I think his kickstep is clean. And I think he was part of that massive exodus that was Charlie strong going in and kind of put getting in his guys in that Texas program. There might've been something with marijuana. I'm not sure, you know, with Carlos Henderson recently getting busted, maybe that's a sore subject for Bronco fans. But yeah, he's uh, I really like Desmond Harrison too, and I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a mid round two pick. Like he has the tools, and he looks like he has the athleticism too.
2: Exactly. That's that's where I was thinking. If if he really shows well at the Senior Bowl, I can't see him getting out of the second round.
3: The thing is with this offensive tackle group, most of these guys are going to go day two. Um, Kappa Crosby, Harrison, Nope, Boom, O'Neal, Four, Parker, Paris, Rankin, Toth has a chance, and Jones if he is actually going. All those guys are probably – a couple of them may crack the first round, but most of those guys are going round two or round three. And I absolutely love it when when the small school guys get it. Um, I, I've watched all of the small school guys except for Desmond Harrison in this group. I like Kappa. There is an issue with his foot quickness. So there's a lot of people telling that he's the best of the small schools. Offensive linemen, I don't think he is. The guy I think I is isn't actually – at the Senior Bowl. Brian O'Neill, dude's athletic, but there are a lot of questions about his strength. I want to see how he holds up to some of the bowl rushes that are going to come his way. Brandon Parker, I like a lot. I think that this kid is insanely talented, and he's up there for top small school offensive linemen. Um, Timon Paris, he's getting a lot of talk of being moved to guard. There's just some questions with his kicks out at tackle. They think that they can limit some of that and limit some of the concerns about how he handles more athletic guys by moving them inside. Brett Toth, I've already talked on a lot. Guy can rise. Guy's stock can soar. Akorafor, I have a lot of questions after watching this tape that I really hope get answered. A lot of it is more technique stuff, and I hope that whichever team gets him, which tomorrow the roster will be in, which team has who, will be announced. Um, I hope to see that they work with him on that. Crosby, um, I like to give Nick some crap about it. I like Crosby. I like his game a lot. I think he's going to be better as a guard than a tackle, but I Agreed. wouldn't mind playing him at right tackle yeah. at all. Left tackle, I've heard some people talk about it, and I do see some of that ability there, but I don't think right away. I think you want to give him a year or two at right tackle and just see how he, do- how he does before you move him right over to left tackle. I don't think he's got the foot speed for it. That's my big concern, but I've seen yeah. people talk about how they think that he can grow in that area and make do with – other with other aspects of his game. And that's why I want to put him at tackle before putting him over to
1: Yeah. Good balance, good length, good power can really just clear out a lane. I just don't know if he has the foot speed for left tackle. I would try him at right tackle. He kind of reminds me of like what we hoped Menelik Watson would be, you know, where he like, he has like that foot speed is like a little bit, eh, but when he's going downhill, run blocking, I, he, he can really just take people out and I could see him at right tackle or either guard spot being a future decent starter in the NFL which is what um, we need. So
3: <laughs> As for Cole Madison, I haven't watched him, so I'm not going to touch on him. I haven't touched any Washington State tape, really. <laughs> Sorry, I've touched defensive players, not offensive players just because I don't want to deal with Luke Falk.
2: I watched Cole Madison. He doesn't have the strength that you would like for our kind of system. I think he's going to have to be a zone-blocking tackle. I think that's about his only option. He kind of reminded me of a lesser-talented uh, – what's the guy from Colorado State? Tyson uh, Brello. Tyson Brello. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's who he reminded me of. He's got some bad weight. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not the strongest guy in the world. He's got some good technique here and there. I mean, it's, it's decent. His feet are decent, but I, I just, I wasn't all that impressed. Yeah. I can't disagree. And he got, he gave me a chance
1: to talk about Tyrell Crosby. I guess I got to talk a little bit about Brian O'Neill. He was a really good right tackle at Pitt last season or two season now, I guess moves really well. He's a former tight end. Just amazing mover in space. He can get down. I do have questions about his technique. His hands can slide off a little bit. He's not the strongest with his punch, and he doesn't have the best core strength right now, but he's shown at left tackle and right tackle. I think teams are going to like that versatility, and I think he does have tremendous upside if you can develop him because he has the size that you want, and he has plus plus athleticism. So, he's kind of the he doesn't have the same demeanor that Bulls had last year, but that guy who's going to need to grow into that position more, but has tremendous athleticism. That, I think that's going to be Brian O'Neill this year. And because it's a deeper class, he might get pushed down. But I wouldn't be surprised if he kills it and the senior bowl if he moves up as well because teams are looking for those nimble, really hyper-athlete tackles these days.
3: Yeah, there's been a lot of comparisons to Lane Johnson. What I have seen on tape of O'Neill, I don't really – I can see why they're there, but I don't actually agree with them. Nah. Um, a good combine where he really sh- – shines with the athletic testing a good senior bowl i could see somebody taking him in the first round like top 15 i wouldn't but i can see a team doing it as they're looking for that next lane johnson type so kind um, of reminds
1: me of jason spriggs right now yeah not not i mean good athlete not super strong moves well doesn't block yes yeah. we'll see in jason spriggs
3: is a guy who a lot of people were saying the same thing about too so and now
1: moving on to the interior guys, I got both the guards and the centers listed separately, but we'll just do it as one because, I mean, the Broncos do have needs there, but a lot of times these guys that are listed as guards might be moved into center and vice versa and tackles just more a more interesting group. But at the guards, we got Colby Gassett, who was just recently added from Appalachian State, a really good size, 6'6", 320. Uh, Taylor Hearn from Clemson, who's a guy that I honestly did not have very much under the microscope, but recently he's been picking up steam and I watched him. I like him better than Crowder, who was their right guard there. A uh, good mover, good size as well, and can really move guys off the point of attack. Will Hernandez is one that's going to be linked with the Broncos a lot going forward, so I'll leave that for one of you guys probably. Give you that softball to swing away at. Skylar Phillips, Idaho State's kind of interesting guy. A little shorter at 6'2", but good size, 322. Wyatt Teller's a guy that I've been big on for a while. I went to watch Virginia Tech's... Uh, defense and you know you're gonna watch the other side too and my eyes immediately went to Wyatt Teller six five three fifteen and I don't think he has any fat on him he could probably stand up get a little bit more weight but he's strong and he's mean Sean Welsh a guy from Iowa that I think probably is gonna end up a center six three two ninety five and Isaiah Wynn who's a guy that I like a lot as well at Georgia six two three or two a little smaller put left tackle there Lee Bozeman from Alabama six five three fourteen and honestly when I watch him he doesn't really stand I mean he's solid but my eyes are drawn to Jonah Williams or Lester Cotton honestly uh, Mason Cole, who's been interesting, a guy that I have not watched a bunch of, but from what the little I have watched, I thought he's better zone guy. 6'5", 305. Austin Corbett from Nevada, 6'4", 305. Haven't watched much of him. And Frank Ragnow, who's a guy who had some hype coming into the season at center, 6'5", uh, 317 in Arkansas. And Eric, we've been going with Carl to start. I'll give you the,
3: the floor to start. Out of these guys, who are ones that you're pretty excited about? One of them is Mason Cole. I watched a little bit of his tape and I agree I think he's gonna be a little bit better for his zone. But there's a lot of talk of moving him to tackle. So that's something they really keep an eye on. I don't think that's the right move, but maybe if they try him there they'll see that hey, that wasn't the right move. The rest of the center class I'm not really interested in. They don't they're guys that I don't really have questions on that I think can be answered really at the senior bowl. Um of the ones I've watched, that is. And I've watched Bozeman and I've watched Ragnow and Cole a little bit. Um, Questenberry I watched just from watching Rosen and Corbett I haven't watched at all. I Not not my favorite center group. Ragnow is the best of the bunch, and I think he's going to do really, really well. As for the guards, obviously there's Will Hernandez. Nick touched on it. He's going to be linked to Denver a lot. The former University of Texas El Paso coach is now the Broncos' interior offensive lineman coach. Sean Cugler. Um, So obviously there's that obvious connection there. Keeping a guy, getting a guy that he's familiar with to help be the leader of that interior line that still has some questions. Obviously at left guard, Will Hernandez, he plugs in and plays right there right away. That's all he played at. UTEP, if I remember correctly, I may be mistaken though. That's all I saw him at was left guard. Yeah. Skylar Phillips, I'm actually intrigued by. I watched, I was watching the defensive player and they were playing Idaho State and I kept going away from the defensive player and onto this offensive lineman. And after the game, I had to finally go and look up who it was. And it was Skylar Phillips. I haven't been able to get my hands on any more Idaho State tape, though. So kind of curious about that and want to see more. Taylor Hearn, I agree with you. I think that not just of better than Crosby, I think he was the best offensive lineman on Clemson. I was really impressed with what I saw of him. Isaiah Wynn, um left tackle, moving to guard. From Georgia, obviously there's that interest there. Then there's the Virginia Tech kid that Nick is super high on that I hope he fails just so I can rub it in Nick's face. <laughs> no. I awesome actually like him. He looks pretty good. I, I, I like Wyatt Teller. I think he's gonna be a good third round pick for a guard and a guy that you can plug and play, but he's not a guy that you he's not a guy you actively look to upgrade, but he's not a guy you sit there and are disappointed in starting either. He's like somewhere in that in between that really solid guard that'll do what you want and just be solid in everything that you ask of him. Obviously, there's room for him to grow just with what I see now and him transitioning to the NFL. That's what I see. And I think he can end up growing into something a little bit more. But my best two of the bunch is Hernandez and Hearn, and I am so excited to watch these two guys. Carl, I know that... He didn't take your guy, so you should talk about your guy.
2: (laughs) I will here. I I was hoping he wouldn't really talk about this guy a whole lot. But Isaiah Wynn of Georgia, 6'2, 302. I love this kid. I have watched a lot of his games, and I just hardly ever see this guy out of position. He locks on to his defender. He has good foot quickness, not great, but I mean, it's good enough to survive. He's got strong hands, he's very, very aggressive. Especially in the run game. I that Georgia run game loves to go right behind him and the guard there, the left guard. They they love that left side. And and he's done it against great competition and in some of the biggest games. I, I thought some of his best games were the the college playoffs in the national championship. He went against Deshaun Hand a lot. I'm not saying that Deshaun Hand is this great defensive end or anything like that. He was at one point the the number one recruit in the country but he never quite lived up to that hype. He was still decent, but not great. We'll get to him here in just a little bit. Anyway, Isaiah Wynn just eliminated him from the game. He just, he did absolutely nothing. Yes. Alabama's defensive line did good, but it was their interior guys, not their exterior guys. And if it was an exterior guy, it was on, on the other side of the field. Isaiah Wynn again, just shut him down against Oklahoma. I know they don't have a great defense, but again, just destroyed people. It wasn't that he just held his own. It was, he was just destroying people. He, he would go through one guy, go look for more work. He just, he loves to go find somebody to hit. And and like I said, I just love his hand strength that he can just latch onto a guy and hold on to him. And I just, part of the reason I'm so intrigued by him is I just want to see what he can do moving interior wise, because offensive tackle, I like him a lot. I know he probably won't be able to stay out there for the NFL, just with height, I don't think his arms are going to measure quite long enough like you like in the NFL. But I just want to see what he can do against guys that are probably going to be 50 pounds heavier than what he's faced most weeks. Can he still show that same aggressiveness? Can he still show that ability not to get pushed back? There, there's just a few more questions, but he he's one of those guys that really intrigues me that I think could really climb up boards when teams see him be successful at the guard position, knowing he could probably play four of the positions on the offensive line, if you really needed him to, again, that's if he shows well. So he's just a guy that I'm going to keep my eye on a lot at the senior bowl. Uh, other guys that I'm really intrigued by, I mean, it's hard not to, to go right to will Hernandez. He's just, he's kind of that big name of this entire group, a guy that really in the scouting community has just been talked up a lot. Is that number two guard obviously behind, uh, the, the Notre Dame kid, Wyatt Teller, I, I guess I'm not as impressed as you guys are with him. I, I didn't think he was quite as strong as I was hoping. I saw him getting pushed around a little bit, thrown to the side on a few different plays. I thought technique-wise, he looked pretty good. And like I said, he's kind of that plug-and-play. He's going to be ready day one to, to enter the NFL. But I just I wasn't quite as impressed as you guys were.
1: I like him more in zone.
2: Yeah, that, that was me too. Yeah.
1: He needs to put on like another 15 to, to 10 to 15 pounds of mass. And he, he was a tackle, I think, just last season. So he moved into guard this is his first year there. Good at moving to space, good athlete, good demeanor. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you, especially in a power scheme, unless it's going to pass heavy power scheme. Um, if you're trying to run behind him, he's not really that kind of guy right now. Right, like, I, like, right. That,
2: that's what I saw.
1: Yeah. I really, I'm really excited to watch more Taylor Hearn, though. I wouldn't be surprised if any of these guys really step up, and they're going to ask a lot of these tackles to try a guard as well. I mean, Noteboom, we talked about. Uh, Crosby... Martinez Rankin, Timon Paris. So it's really going to be a great offensive line group there. Probably the best one I've seen there in a few years. And I would not be the least bit surprised if multiple of these guys end up on a Bronco roster after the draft is over.
2: And I, for at least the senior bowl, I really like the matchups the interior guys have a lot more. Just they're actually going to have some tougher competition. We've already talked about the edge guys they are they're not good. It's the weakest group at the senior bowl. Maybe cornerbacks are not great. Oh, that's true. That's true. The defensive side, it's not as good as you would hope, but the tackles, I just, there's only one guy that I've seen that I think could actually give some of these guys some problems. The rest of them are kind of like, eh, they're going to win a couple battles here and there, but they shouldn't win on a regular basis. There's always that surprise guy, obviously, but I I just don't see it. The offensive guards and centers, they're going to have their hands full with a couple of these interior guys. So, uh, those are the matchups that I think are going to be really, really fun to watch those trench battles.
1: Yeah. But before we move on to the defense, we got to talk about and say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Got a long trip coming up? You know, maybe you're heading down to Mobile. Check out Audible. There's a. Uh, lot to choose from, obviously, and you can brush up on some stuff outside football before immersing yourself for an entire week, Carl. That ad was um, specifically for you. That's the best way to make ads is make it for one person. Best thing (laughs) for your buck.
2: There you go. No, I just downloaded a a 43-hour book. Oh, my God. So we'll we'll see. I might get through uh, maybe a tenth of it on this trip. The history of the written word. (laughs) okay back
1: to back to football enough bad jokes yeah. uh, defensive ends in this class uh, i think it's an okay class there are some interesting names here but i think in general the, the edge class for the 2018 draft is underwhelming and kind of unfortunate because you always like to stock up on edge guys but we'll talk about that more and we'll get into it a little bit more as we get closer to the draft but andrew brown kind of more of a 3-4 defensive end type from virginia 6 285 pounds Marcus Davenport, who's a guy that some of the bigger draft media people have been hyping up recently. Pretty good athlete from Texas, El Paso. Listed 6'7", 255. We'll see if that measurement holds up. Duke Edgefor from Wake Forest. Wake Forest actually has a couple interesting defensive prospects in this class, but he's the only senior that'll be here. More of a 4'3 guy, 6'4", 275. Kyle Fitz from Utah, 6'4", 260. Uh, Jalen Holmes, one of those OSU guys, was more of a backup, 6'5", 270. Harold Landry, who's a guy who was potentially talked about edge one prior to the season, will be there. So that's a pretty good get for the senior bowl. Uh, there, six three two fifty. 6'3", 250. Tyquan Lewis, another Ohio State edge, 6'4", 265. Uh, ca- hard name to pronounce, but a guy that I've said a few times on here. Ogbania Okoronkwo from Oklahoma, edge rusher there. Probably the most celebrated defensive player on that side of the ball for Oklahoma. And an interesting guy here, Kamoko Toure from Rutgers. Flashed a bit when he was younger, 6'5", 2- 252. I think he has some pretty good potential, especially in that 3-4 defense going forward. And then on the defensive tackle side, we have Deshaun Hand, kind of the same size as Andrew Brown, 6'4", 288, Alabama. BJ Hill, NC State, a bigger guy, 6'4", 315. Maurice Hurst, who some thinks the first round defensive tackle, 6'2", 282. Justin Jones, another NC State guy. Just added today, Christian LeCoutier from LSU, 6'5", 300, kind of that 3'4", size. Derek Nottie from Florida State, who's been pretty solid there his career at Tallahassee. Harrison Phillips, an interesting guy. Actually, I think he's a redshirt junior, but... Uh, qualified in time, had all his credits in, from Stanford, uh, 6'4", 295. And then Nathan Shepard from Fort Hayes State, uh, another big, long guy, six five three hundred. So an okay defensive line class. I don't think it matches up player for player with the offensive line class, but there are some interesting names here. And, Eric, I'm going to kick it off to you. Any of these guys that you are most looking forward to, I mean, there's, there's definitely some names here to look for.
3: Obviously, I'm that small school guy, so the small school defensive guys – they always catch my eye they're always guys that i root for nathan Shepard. i haven't watched him yet but i'm going to go and try and find some stuff either later tonight or tomorrow Uh, i've heard some really positive stuff about him uh marcus davenport he's a guy who is athletics upside out your ears like this guy is so much upside it's just a matter of getting him there um, the Wake Forest defensive end, he's a guy that I've watched quite a bit of and I actually like a lot. Um, not a fit for Denver unless they want to switch up their defensive scheme. I don't see him being able to rush the edge um, standing up, but get his hand in the dirt and he's going to be pretty solid. Kyle Fitz, talked to somebody who went to Utah about him and I guess he's a really nice guy. Uh, I'm going to be curious to see if he can give some of the offensive linemen some fits during the practice. <laughs> uh Ohio State University, obviously, those guys, like, they got to catch your eye. It's, Ohio State has a pretty pretty uh, well-known thing for developing talent. and So, obviously, you want to see how Jalen Holmes and Tyquan Lewis do. The word, Landry, is,
1: the word you're looking for is reputation.
3: Yes, reputation. Yes. That is the word I was looking for. Continue. Happy birthday. Continue. Thank you. <laughs> Aaron Landry, as you said, a lot of people were talking about him as edge one. He was a guy that people were talking about as being one of the top five edges last year. I never saw it. I Up until he decided to return last year, I was sitting there arguing with people that I don't think he should go before round three. This year, I don't really disagree with my sentiment. I, there's just something about his game that seems off to me. Something with the technique. Can't really pinpoint it's what. It's
1: limited. What? He's limited. He pretty much has to bend that corner to get around with a speed rush. And if he doesn't do that, he's washed out of the play or doesn't have a counter across the face, doesn't really have a repertoire of power moves. Carl and I were talking yeah, about this earlier. I mean, we'll, we'll, we won't spend too much time on it, but he just kind of reminds us of the uh, the B version of Shane Ray. I think he's less explosive, yeah. less hair on fire Shane Ray.
3: Yeah, there's definitely a lack of pass rush moves to him, but that that's something that you can always see people work on. There's guys in the NFL that work with that. You have your other pass rushers. And with somebody with Vaughn Miller, I'm sure he would work with him. But it's specifically there's something with the technique that just seems really, really off. That really irks me with him. So that's why I wouldn't personally take him before that. Then if you want to add in the the limited player, I uh, don't like him against the run. Doesn't have those pass rush moves. Like I'm just not a big fan of it. Double O. This is a guy. He's an edge. I'm so tired of people saying, to, arguing about where do you want to play him at. This guy's an edge. Period. Let him be there. Let him attack. You'll be happy. I like his game a lot. Um, I w- was originally watching big Oklahoma nose tackle, who he de- He ended up declaring for the draft. I was watching through him at a request of somebody, and I knew who Double O was, so obviously I knew what I was getting into, but it was so hard to focus because Double O just kept wrecking it. Um, the Rutgers guy, I don't know anything about, really. Hand, I guess he was like a top recruit or former number one recruit or something like that, and he's just been a disappointment. There's a lot of talk that he won't even get drafted. Um, curious to see if he can do something to kind of change that narrative about him, that maybe there is something there that's hidden. Maurice Hurst, I've watched a little bit on. I don't get the first round talk with him personally. Um, very scheme-specific.
1: Like yeah, if you and then, small 3-4 or small 4-3-3 three, three technique type, that can, you know, explode out of his stance and everything. I, I get yeah. it, but that's not, that's not my type of defensive lineman. So I'm not yeah, as with, high
3: on him. With the way the NFL is going, you want versatile players. And I don't see that with him, but additionally, and I hate, I hate saying this, there is a really bad reputation of Michigan defensive linemen entering the NFL. Now I do my best to avoid that narrative and stuff like that, but there is something about Hurst that just reminds me of all those other guys who've gone onto the NFL and failed just don't know what it is, again, can't pinpoint it, but I don't like it. I think, as you said, I think he's just stuck in one spot. I don't think he can be a five-tech whatsoever. Obviously, you don't want to move him inside and be that zero one one nose tackle. He's stuck as a three-tech in a, a three-four front. That's not first-round player. I would say that if a player had 15 sacks on a season, but if he is just a stuck in one spot on that defensive line, I will not – Agree with him being a first round player or on the defensive line. Just no, I, I can't get on board with that because versatility is the key to the game of the NFL nowadays. You got to have these defensive linemen who can play multiple spots because you're always changing your packages around, always moving them around. Um, Justin Jones and Christian Le- Coutier yes, are two guys that I haven't watched, so I don't know anything about them. Um, Derek naughty. This was a guy who last year, if I remember right, was being talked as that borderline first or second round player. Um, I went through and watched the tape then I didn't see it. Now this year, I don't think was as good as last year. I think he's looking as like a third or fourth round pick, but he looks to be that five tech that you want in your base three, four looks He looked better against the run than rushing the passer, but he looked like he had enough in him to provide a somewhat consistent pass rush. He's not the, not set to be that lone starter at the five tech. He has to be put in a rotation which works for Denver with what they have and the depth they have at the defensive line. Harrison Phillips, I'm trying to figure out why he's not being talked about more. There, I, There's other talent on that stand for defensive line, but this guy always flashes for me. Was flashed consistently. I actually like this group a lot. There's obviously... It, there is a lack of talent. A lot of these guys are more project players for the NFL than the offensive line. So it's going to be curious to see how they answer the call because even people that are... In the NFL, they're talking about how this is a lopsided matchup for the offensive line. So I want to see these guys answer the call because when you have that imbalance, there was a few years ago where the cornerback class was fantastic and the wide receiver class was kind of a lot worse and the receivers stuck it to the corners. They One of them mentioned that, all oh, we heard about it, how we weren't a good group, and one of the coaches told us that, and so we just turned around and just gave it our all. So I kind of hope that I see something like that again this year. When you see that, you, obv- you obviously gravitate towards the players who have that chip on their shoulder. Well,
2: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about two players here that I think have a chance to to really rise up boards or at least catch the attention of people beyond NFL. They're, probably NFL teams have a pretty good idea of these players. But one guy that I think has a really good chance, even with NFL teams, to rise up boards is Kamoko Turei. Of Rutgers, six foot five, 252 pounds. This guy is at least when I watched him, he was an athletic freak. I watched him one time with a pretty speedy running back. He was in man coverage and it looked like he'd gotten beat. He was at a standstill almost, and running back ran right by him. He flipped his hips, just like you would see a really good corner do, and ran down the field, made up the ground really quickly, made a great athletic play to, to have it be an incomplete pass. I just, (laughs) I I can't remember seeing another linebacker other than Raquan Smith make a play like that from this, this draft class. I was so impressed. He can also get after the quarterback. Obviously they have him as edge for the, for the senior bowl, but I think they're probably going to play him as some off ball linebacker too, because he did a lot of that at the Rutgers. It it was, it's kind of like, I'm trying to remember a guy that we're going to talk about here in just a little bit that I really like. And I want to, Probably make up for something that I said about him earlier, but Uchina Nuoso of USC. I think the Rutgers team, their coaches, didn't always know how to use Teray because they're going. We have this athletic piece, and we want to play him everywhere, <laughs> and you obviously can't do that. So they just need to to work better to commit to. Is he going to get after the quarterback? Is he going to drop back in coverage? But. At the same time, maybe that's going to help his draft stock because he has that versatility to be able to do a little bit of everything. But again, just a guy I'm excited to see. I learned a little bit about him. He didn't start playing football until his senior year of high school. And his very first year in high school, he goes out there and has 19 and a half sacks. Never played the game. Just go get after the quarterback okay. <laughs> and he goes out there and has 19 and a half sacks. So again, this guy, I think the best years of his football career are ahead of him. If he can stay healthy, he's dealt with a lot of injuries and I'm sure a lot of teams will drop him because of that. But the other guy I want to talk about Harrison Phillips, kind of like Eric said, this guy is not getting talked about enough. Six foot four, 295 pounds. He looks long. He's strong. He has an incredible swim move. I love watching his swim. move. It just seems to work every single time for him to go make plays. And what did he have this year? 105 tackles from the that the defense 108 from the defensive tackle position. He had something like 18 and a half tackles for loss or something. I mean, it was just amazing numbers for, for a defensive tackle. This guy has great awareness. He always has an idea where the ball is at. He's just making plays every single game and he just flashes left and right. And so I I'm excited to see him. I think he's a guy that could really go out there and win a lot of these battles and kind of surprise some of those interior guys with with how well he can get after things. He plays a little high. That that was my big negative remark when I was watching him. There's just so many times that his very first step is to to stand straight up. Yeah. And and he'll get pushed back whenever he does that. He lo- when he loses the leverage battle, he doesn't have the power to to hold up. And so just needs to learn how to fire off a little bit lower. I'm excited to see him get with some NFL coaches and have them really get after him on that. I, I, I would love to see him on the, the Broncos squad and just see Bill Kolar get after this guy for standing up. But I think if you get that corrected, the sky's the limit with this
1: kid. I've heard some in the bigger draft media say that he, they kind of remind him of Kyle Williams from Buffalo, where he's not the best rangy, like moving laterally across the line. But if you get him up against a couple offensive linemen, he has a chance to wreck that gap and, and make plays at that point of attack, at the mesh point. So I like Harrison a lot. And a guy that he's coming off an injury, he did not have the best year the last two seasons. But his sophomore year, he was great. Uh, last year, he was not great because he had an ACL injury. And this year, he didn't look the best because of still coming off that ACL injury. He's having some issues. I think it happened like the very end of his junior year. But Christian Lacoutier from LSU, 6'5", 300 and his sophomore tape, I went back to go find some just to see if he looked like a different player. And he's long, uh, great motor, uh, plays with good hands, and a guy that, you know, you can take a late-round flyer on him if, his, if he passes the medical checks. Is somebody that scheme fit, and also a guy that all reports are was a grade A-plus person in the locker room, one of those guys who's a coach on the field. And they gave him the number 18 at LSU, which apparently is a a big deal. They only give that number to a defensive lineman every once in a while to, you know, got to be a team leader. And so he's a guy that I'm excited to see. And Nathan Shepard, I did actually see a little bit of Nathan Shepard. He plays angry and a little bit out of control, but there's some definitely there that has me intrigued. So I really like those long guys for the defensive line. You know, those guys that can play three tech, one tech, five tech, and can control different gaps and, you know, just, just be long and, create different uh, havoc at the mesh point. But if it's okay to move on to outside linebackers and inside linebackers.
3: Can I share something real quick? Sure. So Baker Mayfield, he signed with a Boulder-based agency. Oh, interesting. So the links to Denver are just going to increase a lot. So get ready for that. I think he will also be at the Senior Bowl. We talked about him last week.
1: So he we did sign with somebody? Yep. Okay. Oh, interesting. Well, moving on, we've still have, We've been talking for a while here, but we still got a bit, a bit to get to. The linebackers. I'm just going to run through a list and we'll talk about some of the guys that stand out to us. There's luckily not a big group compared to the defensive line outside linebackers. We've got Davin Bellamy from Georgia, Garrett Dooley from Wisconsin, Shaquem Griffin, the one handed player from UCF. Very great story. good player. Arquise Haynes from Ole Miss. Uchenna Nwosu, who's somebody that Carl just mentioned recently and Fred Warner from BYU. And the more of the inside linebacker guys, we got Nick DeLuca from North Dakota state, Rashawn Evans from Alabama. That's a pretty big piece for the senior bowl. High, High-profile prospect there. Sean Dean Hamilton, who is injured. I'm not sure if he'll be participating. I would guess he wouldn't be. Uh, Micah Kaiser from Virginia. Darius Leonard from South Carolina State, a smaller school guy. Mike McCray from Michigan. Sky Moore from South Carolina. Dorian O'Daniel from Clemson. Miles Pierce from The Citadel. And Trey Williams from Auburn. And Carl, I know that you just talked about Nwosu. I, you said that you're coming around a little bit more on Nwosu, right?
2: I've watched more games of him. And I, I realize now I, I should have watched more tape before I said that I just thought, he wasn't as good a prospect as, as I was hoping because he is a very good prospect. I, I, like I said, I've gone back and watched more and it's just, he's a guy that can get after the quarterback. He can drop back in coverage for you. He can just do about anything you want from him. He's just that all utility linebacker. And we've talked about it on the show before. Versatility is so huge in the NFL. And when you can just kind of plug and play this guy, wherever you want, kind of like last year with your, your draft crush. uh, What was, what was his name? Yeah. It's on Riddick. He's not as athletic. He's not as explosive, but, but that all around ability just to do anything that you ask him to do. He's there. And I, again, he's another guy that I think he's just beginning to scratch the surface of what he could do. I don't think USC did him a whole lot of favors. We, we've talked about it a little bit also on the show of there's sometimes players where they move around so many different positions that they never really master one. And so then you're, you're almost doing them a disservice and, and doing that Derwin James. We talked about that with him a little bit. And I think Nuoso's is a little bit in that same, same area. So he, I think he's just scratching the surface with his ability. And I just can't wait to see him there at the the senior bowl and see him just really, I, I, I full hardly expect him just to shine at the, at the game.
1: Yeah. I like him a lot as well. You talked about Hassan Riddick, the guy that I'm interested in potentially making that move from that primary edge rusher to off ball. You know, people say you don't want to do it with Agbani Okoronkwa. I agree with that. But the guy that I think has that potential tools to do that athletic-wise and can still rush the passer is a great athlete. Marquise Haynes from Ole Miss. I really like him as an athletic profile. He moves pretty well. I'm curious to see what he'll do with his back-to-the-ball playing more in coverage at the senior bowl. But from what I see, he is a really good athlete with size and versatile. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's a type that, rises a lot through this process when coaches can get him and put him in different spots and see that he really just is a great uh, raw tool of athleticism. I really do like Garrett Dooley as well. Those Wisconsin edge guys are interesting. I feel like Wisconsin, they don't really, they disguise packages, but they don't ask their edges to get after the quarterback as much as an NFL edge would. They're more about containing that edge from the run game, which makes sense in the big 10. So Dooley, well, I'm interested to see how he'll do because Wisconsin has been turning out some good edge rushers. Bellamy is a little bit disheartening. I wish it'd be Lorenzo Carter here. Maybe he might be a late invite or add still. We'll see. But Bellamy is, you know, he's kind of, he has that size though. and can be that three, four edge rusher. And Griffin, I love Shaquem Griffin, the story. All six, one, two, 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 223, And probably a late round draft pick. Great story. I mean, if you're looking for that special teams leader, you know, backup linebacker at the end of the draft, I think that's a great spot for him, but not, I'm not huge on him. I like what I saw from Nick DeLuca. I think if the Broncos do lose Todd Davis, that's kind of a guy that would fill that role more of that inside strong linebacker that's going to come off and pass down. So he can do that. Same with Micah Kaiser, although he's, I'm not really that big on Micah Kaiser. I love that's, what I see from Sean Evans. Oops, sorry, go ahead.
2: That's what I was thinking when I saw Kaiser was Todd Davis. Yeah. Just that's the so guy cool. that's going to make a lot of tackles. He's very strong. He's going to come downhill. He's going to make some plays for you. And I just, yeah, that just seemed to be my comparison for him.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's what I've seen as well. And there are some interesting coverage backers in this class. Sky Moore has been a guy who he was injured last year. I thought maybe he was going to come out, but that injury held him off. He's smaller as well. 6'2", 218. But I think he, I think he had like eight interceptions over his career or something ridiculous for a linebacker. Maybe even more than that. He's been a great coverage guy and he comes downhill and wraps up pretty well. He's just, he's just small. And same thing with a guy, Dorian O'Daniel, who's a linebacker from Clemson. 6'1", 220. Again, small, but, I think the NFL is changing. You got to have these linebackers that can match up with running backs and tight ends in the past game. I mean, that's just, that's how teams are killing the Broncos and you got to have those linebackers that can do that. And Doreen Daniels is a guy that I think can fill that role very nicely, be that sub package linebacker coverage type. So it's an interesting group and we've been talking the whole time. So you better let the birthday boy in here, have a little bit of say on the linebackers. My birthday was
3: yesterday, not
1: today. You're still the birthday boy. It's your birthday week.
3: <laughs> um, I actually haven't done a lot on the linebacker class as a whole the linebackers i have seen they're normally guys who are kind of rushing the passer um i agree with Haynes, though what you said about him and kind of being moving inside and that hassan Reddick kind of player griffin i like a little bit I, there's some talent there that maybe he can contribute it as a ba- contribute as a backup rush linebacker obviously there's going to be some concerns because of his whole situation and his story but i would love to see him succeed just because of that story like even more inspiration um, as for the inside linebackers, obviously Evans, he's my number two inside linebacker. Uh, he's pretty much cemented there. Um, he may be able to close the gap a little bit more to Smith if he ends up showing well. So obviously I want to see that. I'm not a fan of Micah Kaiser. I don't really see him as a draftable player mm. just because of
1: he's
3: what he's meh. Yeah. He's, he's just very meh. He's very mad, and with the way the NFL is going, I don't see him really fitting in. I don't see him fitting in enough for a team to take a risk on him in the draft. Um, you guys mentioned Todd Davis, but there were a couple other players, I want to say from Michigan State, Riley and Max Bolo. Oh, yeah, Bolo. Bulo. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were this. They, he reminds me of them a little, of that – coming downhill, attacking, not so good in coverage. And I just actually watched Hard Knocks, and one of the reasons why Tampa Bay didn't keep Riley was because of his issues in coverage. And with Kaiser that way, obviously teams know that, hey, you got to be able to cover it even more so nowadays. You can't just get by on your run defense. Gone are the days of those type of linebackers. So, obviously, there's a big issue there. Um, Dorian Sky Skymore, and... Darius Leonard. No. And Garrett Dooley. Those are three guys that I actually really want to see on the senior bowl stage. What I watched a little bit of tape on them and they were intriguing, but not enough to really pinpoint a spot for them just yet for me. So I'm curious to see how they can do it on the bigger stage. The rest of the guys I haven't really touched up on, so I don't really have much. I can't really say much on them.
1: Yeah. I feel like the, back seven the linebackers and the cornerbacks and the safeties those are guys that i am more interested in hindsight wise like if i didn't know about them coming in i don't normally spend too much time especially because normally and cornerbacks and safeties are underclassmen i feel like that's a pretty common trend so how these guys do makes them relevant and then makes me or makes me want a lot some time to check them out you know it's validating All right, well, moving on to the secondary here. We have a big group of cornerbacks, 16 so far and seven safeties, so I'll just list them out, and we'll come back and cover some of them. We have Anthony Avert from Alabama, played well in the national championship game. Christian Campbell, who's a guy that I thought played pretty well in the Fiesta Bowl for Penn State, good size. Duke Dawson, one of the better nickel backs in this class, I would say. Potentially, he's going to be an inside guy, not the biggest. I haven't watched much. There's a lot of small school guys, and I just haven't watched a lot of them. Danny Johnson from Southern, Teron Johnson from Weber State. Michael Joseph from Dubuque, so I'm, I'm pulling for him because Dubuque's about an hour from where I'm at right now, so that's cool to see a Division three guy from that school do well. Cameron Kelly, a big cornerback from San Diego State at 6'2". There's some talk about him moving to safety. Jamarcus King, who I remember standing out a lot. I think he had two picks in that game where South Carolina had five uh, takeaways against Michigan in the fourth quarter. Cur- Cameron Moore from B.C. Siren Neal, another small school guy, Jackson State. Darius Phillips from WMU, who's somebody that we can talk about here. He's had some had some big games. MJ Stewart from North Carolina. Ardon Sullivan from Georgia State, another small school guy. Demontre Wade from Georgia State, another small school guy. Levi Wallace, a guy who's done well for Alabama down the stretch. A walk-on, pretty interesting story. And another BC guy with some good size. So I'm, I'm interested to check out these BC guys. I think that's something that, if they do well, I'm going to be trusting Carl to watch the uh, the wide receivers and the cornerbacks. But Isaac Yidiem from B.C. 6'1". Interesting guy. I like the safety class a little bit more. Marcus Allen from Penn State has been a guy that had some up and downs. Quinn Blanding from Virginia. Travion Henderson, a guy from Hawaii I have not seen much of yet. Trey Matthews, an Auburn guy, which looking back I should have seen him more. I didn't, he's, he's been pretty good on the tape from what I remember. Jeremy Reeves from South Alabama, smaller school guy I haven't seen yet so much. Armani Watts from TAMU, who many thought would come out last year, potentially a day two pick last year. I haven't heard as much hype about him this year, but he's an interesting guy. And then my favorite guy of this whole group is Kaiser White, 6'2", 218 from West Virginia, plays kind of that rover role of where he's kind of that linebacker safety hybrid. He does some zone coverage in that 3-3-5. He has some man responsibility as well. And he moves well. He's got good size. And he lays wood. I like what I see from Kaiser White, especially if you're looking for that TJ Ward type that can come down and be an enforcer. And I think that He's out of all these names. I mean, obviously there'll be some other guys that step up, but he's a guy that I would, from what I've seen so far, I'd love the Broncos to get him if they do look for a safety in that late round three to mid round four range. anybody who has anybody who wants the before?
2: Yeah, uh, I agree on Kaiser White. I, I like him for we we've talked about it a little bit. Of if the Broncos move on at the safety position, it's probably going to be Darian Stewart and move. Simmons over to that free safety spot because that's more of his natural position. And then they're going to need somebody else. The, the two young safeties for the Broncos and. Oh my goodness. Will parks and Jamal Carter. There you go. There you go. Yep. Say it, just repeat it. So you sound smart. <laughs> okay. Will parks and. Oh my. <laughs> Jamal Carter. Jamal Carter. Yeah. Will, hey, Will parks Park. and Jamal. Yeah. three, the, two the two young safeties and will parks and Jamal Carter at the, the strong safety position, they need a little bit more competition. They showed decently well there at the end of the season at times, but they're just, they're too inconsistent. There was so many times where I saw them get caught in a bad coverage position, trying to jump a route or something like that. And the tight end or running back does a double move on them. And so a Kaiser white guy had to come in there to a white guy, <laughs> Kaiser white, a guy to come in there and compete with them would be a great addition to this, this Broncos secondary, another guy that can just really add to that attitude that John Elway has really tried to develop with that defense of getting guys that, that played with their hair on fire, that love to go out there and hit somebody and just intimidate them. The, the Broncos kind of almost enjoyed that people called them a little bit dirty as a, as a group. And they always talked about wanting to play to the echo of the whistle. So again, another guy that just fits well with that. And and that also is kind of why I, I'm drawn to to the Alabama cornerback Levi Wallace. I absolutely love this guy and at least here at the end of the season for Alabama. And six foot, 183 pounds. This guy was not afraid to mix it up with, with six five, 220 hundred and twenty pound wide receivers at times. And and just he was great with his hands. I thought he had a great punch uh, to kind of throw off the, the timing of routes. The thing I really want to see with him at the, the senior bowl is can he play that off zone coverage and that off man coverage? He, d- he just didn't do it a whole lot there at Alabama. They love their cornerbacks to get up there and be aggressive and and trust their pass rush is going to get there before a wide receiver can get off of that press man coverage. But I, I just love his – he's got pretty good hip flip, pretty good athleticism. He's not top end. He's not going to be that guy that's going to go out there and run a 4 three forty. But I, I think he's got enough of a game that some teams are going to be very, very intrigued with what he brings to the table.
3: There's a few names that really stand out. A lot of these guys I haven't done much work on. Um, defensive backs are normally what I get to last, and I just haven't really Same. taken the time to get there yet um neil from jacksonville state though this is a guy that i was told to watch in november and i had somebody send me a little clip of him and i was impressed i managed to find a game of his i watched it and i was still impressed this is a guy that i can see kind of rising up the boards and making an impact from a small school kind of like kevin biard from middle tennessee a few years ago he went on to get drafted by the tennessee titans in the Third round, I think it was. And he had, what, seven or eight interceptions this year? He really, really tore it up and just played great. And I can see Neil kind of doing that same kind of – having that same kind of season. There's just a lot to like with him. He comes down. He hits hard. He's really good in coverage. He's not afraid to mix it up in the run game. Just – I really love his game a lot. And then there's Darius Phillips. And – Yes. What's so enticing about him is – he did three things for Western Michigan played cornerback played receiver and was re- a returner and cornerback is where it seems like that he's going to be at in the NFL cornerback and returner. But I have talked to a few teams who they've thought about using him in a variety of ways on both sides of the ball and on special teams. He just has that skill set that you can really just use and use don't he's have electric. to try him in this one spot. Yeah, he's electric. He's that guy that you want the ball in their hands because he can do something with it. Did you see him in that Michigan State game? I have did not know. I haven't seen that one yet.
1: I think he had three touchdowns in three different ways. I think he had a kickoff return for a touchdown, a fumble recovery for a touchdown, and an interception for a touchdown. He almost had a punt return for a touchdown, too. Which, I mean, that's that's a... What do you, what would you call that? Did he hit for the cycle? Another baseball <laughs> reference. We're bringing it back. You can tell it's the offseason. He's somebody. He's not the longest. He'll probably be a nickelback, but he's he's explosive. He's electric with the ball in his hands. And if you're looking for, you know, the Broncos have Chris Harris who can play inside outside. Roby's probably going to be more of a boundary guy going forward. They could add a, a third cornerback that could be more of that electric special teams guy that can come in and play that third or fourth cornerback role. So I like Phillips a lot, and yeah, it's a it's a pretty good group. I'm I'm interested to see how these guys sort out, especially the small school guys. A lot of times senior bowls like we talked about the cornerbacks the safeties the juniors are normally the high picks I mean looking at the classes you're the best guys you know you have Jair Alexander Denzel Ward Joshua Jackson I mean they're, they're all underclassmen so Minka Fitzpatrick Derwin James and so that's that's just how the secondary is with today's draft landscape NFL landscape so it's definitely going to be a chance for the wide receivers that we touched on last week and some of these other guys to stand out so It'll be interesting. And again, the Broncos got a chance to look at some guys here and wouldn't be surprised if one of these guys is on the team. Cause I got a firsthand look and I think the Broncos have more need for secondary than people think. I mean, granted, I'm counting Langley more as that cornerback for special teams, cave Webster guy. He could take a big step next year, hopefully fingers crossed, but they definitely have a need for potentially a safety role or maybe even another cornerback with Tlaib being questionable going forward.
3: As for Darius Phillips, he had two touchdowns in that Michigan State game. Oh, and okay. they, he accounted for both touchdowns that game. They only put up 14 points and he That's was right. both of them. But another one that I wanted to talk about was one of the smaller school guys. And it was Taryn Johnson. This is a guy who I heard quite a bit about. And multiple scouts have told me is watch it. Watch him. Watch him. Watch him. This is a guy that I guess is he's smaller He's listed at 5'10", 195. But they feel that he can be that outside boundary corner just because of his play style. Kind of be like um, one comparison that I had thrown my way was Brent Grimes without the crazy wife. (laughs) So funny. uh, That he just, he's got good hops to him that he can get up and really challenge these big, tall receivers at the high point. can make lay out and contest the catches if they get separation. He's just that mentality that he has, and he has a chip on his shoulder because of something that happened in his childhood. I haven't been able to figure out what, so it might not be a topic that many people know about, but there was something that happened that he has a chip on his shoulder and that he wants to go to the NFL and he wants to make it, he wants to succeed because he wants to prove people wrong. Because one thing is that he has been told all of his life that he can't do this, from what I've been told. And when you hear that, they get a chip on their shoulder. Chris Harris. I'm not sure many Bronco fans know the story of why Chris Harris went undrafted. During the scout process, the coach continued to bash him. Said all these things about Chris Harris that were inaccurate. I can't remember if it was the head coach, the defensive coordinator, or the position coach or something, but there was a coach who sat there and just badmouthed Chris Harris. Said all these things about him. And Chris Harris uses that as fuel. Taryn Johnson, he I can see him doing that. I haven't dug it on his tape, but from what I hear, there's just a lot to like about it. And the other one was one of the BC kids, I can't remember which one, but I had a guy who's he's known in the NFL for his scouting of defensive backs. He's pretty highly thought of for his ability to find talent there. And he texted me and he told me that this kid is special. I mm. can't remember which BC kid it is though, but there was one. I just remember that it was one of them. I want to say that it was more, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. He just said that one of them special, one of them is going to be playing on Sundays and he's going to be a star to the NFL for a while. Hmm. Well, maybe so he'll I'm separate curious. himself. I'm curious to see it. Yeah, just that if he'll separate himself at the senior bowl. Yeah. As for the safeties, I haven't touched on them. Armani Watts, you said last year that he had a lot of hype. I don't recall the hype there, but I was never a fan of him. I do remember watching him for last year. And then um, Kaiser White, he's probably the more enticing safety of the group just because of his ability and everything. And you guys have touched on him a lot. But of the group, Kaiser White's the one that I really want to see. And then part of me really wants to see Marcus Allen. Yeah. What I have seen of his tape, I liked a little bit. So the rest of the guys, if I've touched on them, it didn't leave an impression and I don't have my notes in front of me. So I can't say who I have and haven't touched on for sure. Maybe I've touched on these guys, but if they didn't leave an impression, I'm not going to remember them. And that's not a good thing.
1: They'll have a chance to separate themselves this week. I mean, there's a lot of small school guys that will have different level of competition than we've seen before, but that's, I mean, that's the name of the game. That's why we have the senior bowl. That's why we have a bunch of these smaller school guys filling in here. They're the seniors they're the ones that get to be invited. So they'll have a real chance to go up against a pretty solid group of wide receivers, a lot of size wide receivers. So anybody else want to touch on Carl?
2: No, that that sounds really good. I think we hit on a lot of the top guys and, and uh, it's going to be a fun week.
1: And I am jealous, Carl, that you get to head on down there. And we're talking about get you on a lot. So you got to send me that schedule and we'll, we'll see what we can do. Maybe we'll have to talk to Chad, but I'd like to get you on here more than once next week if we can.
2: Definitely, man. I, I want to get the information out there and I'm sure it's just going to be like bubbling inside of me. Like I got to get this out to somebody. I got to let them know what I've seen. So I, I'm excited to to tell everybody how it goes. And this is just probably one of my biggest dreams to, to be able to go do something like this. I, I can't believe I, I actually get to go do it.
1: Yeah. Not only are you are going, but you got to go cover it. Like your media, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I'm pretty jealous. It's That is pretty, pretty
3: cool. <laughs> As Larry David would say. But yeah, anyway, but you i gonna will... to go to the combine, so you don't get to talk much,
1: yeah, I know, but the Denver Broncos aren't like hosting it, and it's not like the best combine ever. I mean, the combine's cool, don't get me wrong, I love that, but I'm pretty jealous about this specific senior bowl. This one is like it's different, you know, it's definitely the most hyped senior bowl that I've been a like a fan for, you know
3: it is definitely different when the coaches of your team are the coaches there, and you're not stuck with Jacksonville like they were for what forty years.
1: And we have a top pick and there's some pretty celebrated quarterbacks. So it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm excited for Carl. I'm just excited as a fan and you guys should make sure you keep checking in here because we're going to be bringing you a lot of action firsthand as, as we see it and what we hear from there. But that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the huddle up draft podcast. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dummler, MHH, Eric on Twitter at Eric trickle and myself at Nick Kendall, MHH. Make sure you're checking out Carl. He's going to be in Mobile. So, you got to, he's going to be pumping out the information. And it's going to be a great time down there. Warm weather, man. I'm just sitting here. I can't wait for this podcast to be over because I'm freezing. I've been waiting to put on like a sweatshirt. I'm sitting here in a short sleeve shirt. I'm dying. So, What's I'm going to wrap this up so I can warm up. Um, I think it is like 10 degrees right now.
3: Dude, it's 30. the wind chill is like.
1: Oh, it's unbelievably cold. It's been so bad here this month.
3: It's 37 uh, and pretty clear. So, and that's in Alaska. So
2: <laughs> unbelievable. It's been so cold here.
3: A couple of weeks ago, we were, um, warmer, we were like a lot warmer than Florida.
2: I'm at eight degrees right now. <laughs>
3: yeah, it's, it is cold
2: here. Let me, now I'm curious.
3: Alaska, The winter vacation top spots.
1: It because it's six degrees <laughs> here right now. Wind at negative two. Cool.
3: Awesome. <laughs> I go love stand it. outside. Be, be, see what it feels like to be an Alaskan. As soon as but we're done stand here, I'm outside, go You, you got to go out there in sandals and shorts and no shirt. That just sounds like frostbite. You know how many times I see that happen here in the winter when it's like negative 20? Go to, I'll go to the store and there'll be people walking around in just like a tank top, shorts, and sandals. Hey, how's it going? Like Alaskans, man. You don't know tough till you know Alaskan tough. They're almost as tough as those Canadians, eh? Well, if you ask some people, Alaskans basically are Canadians, so... Yeah, you guys are. You're Canadians,
1: <laughs> ugly twice-removed cousin. No, nah, I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah. So um, we also got to thank Kyle Krabs for coming on today for that interview. It's a, it was a fun one. I'm excited to tack that on in the beginning to, to this definitely long podcast. But we're coming up to the Senior Bowl. I mean, it's draft season. These are going to be long. We got a lot to say. Uh, you can follow him at NDT Scouting and check him out on FanRag Sports. And check out his podcast on iTunes as well, The Draft Dudes. You can follow the podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. As well as check out the audio on YouTube, which we put up every week after every episode. You can follow us on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us, and reach out to us as we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans. For Carl Dummler, Eric Trickle, and Kyle Krabs, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up Draft podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos and go draft! Mile High
2: Huddle!